Hello and welcome to another episode of Please Ask Mickey, a ep- uh, podcast, sorry, not an episode, also an episode, uh, for mums and women, all about where we talk about all the real shit, the real shit when it comes to being a mum and being a woman. Um, and as you know, at the moment I'm doing, this season's all about birth. Um, and I asked months ago now for um, you guys to send in your birth stories and they were f- there were so many, so, so, so many, and they were all phenomenal. But one of the, um, one of the stories that really stood out to me was um, a lady that I've got on today, Sarah. Uh, Sarah Jones, she's from Tennessee. She's got four kids, um, but so that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of births. Um, and her story is traumatic, um, but also beautiful I'm really I'm looking forward to talking to her all I've seen is the is the email so far I guess but I'm really I can't wait um for all of us to be able to hear Sarah's story because I personally was so so moved so Sarah welcome thank you (laughs) thank you for coming thank you for (laughs) chatting to me so what's the time over there at the moment like so yeah you're in Tennessee because it's morning yeah Yeah, in 10 9 36 p.m. There you go. And here it is, like 11.30, sat- Saturday morning as well. <laughs> Blows my mind. Um, all right. So, again, thank you so much for coming on. So you've got four kids. Um, tell us tell us their names, ages. Okay, I have Jaden. He is 11. Cadence is 8. Jackson is 2. And Harper is 6 months. Holy shit. So you've got your bloody hands full. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like, um, so not, inad- not inadequate, that's not the right word, but I'm like me with my two kids. <laughs> to me, you're just like, um, I'll come to you for advice. <laughs> um, so I think we should start, start at the beginning. Um, can you tell us about, so yeah, you've had... Just to clarify, you've had four, you've got four kids, but you've had five births. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So let's start, let's start from the beginning. How are your, how are your pregnancies? Um, did you struggle to fall pregnant or anything like that? Um, I had a miscarriage before my first pregnancy. I wasn't, I didn't know I was pregnant then. Shit. But... How then far I along were you? It was my first baby. Do um, what? How far along were you when you had the miscarriage? Um, we were thinking probably eight or nine weeks. Shit. Oh, and you did so you weren't aware that you were actually pregnant at the time. No. Damn. Um, and then you fell pregnant with your first baby after that. Is that right? Yeah, about three months after that. Oh wow. And then yeah, it was soon. Um, and how was that pregnancy? The pregnancy was really good. Yeah. Were you like one of those but glowing she... unicorns? Yeah. <laughs> but we found out at 10 weeks that she wouldn't live. She had anencephaly. She had what? Sorry? Anencephaly. So what is it's that? It's a neural tube defect. Shit. It's like um, the most severe case of spina bifida pretty much um and so how far along were you when 
they told you that? Ten weeks. Fuck. So we um, found out pretty early. Yeah. Um, and so when they told you that, what, so like, what are the chances or, or what I guess is the, the outcome usually with that? So I'm, um, I'm so sorry. I don't really know that much about it. Well, I don't remember the exact numbers cause it's been so long, Yeah, but it's like one in a million. Oh. It's pretty rare. But, I mean, for it to be so rare, there was a girl that I went to high school with. She found out in 2010 that she was pregnant with a baby with the same birth defect. Jesus. But we weren't friends in school. We had a mutual friend, and she introduced us, and she ended up carrying her baby as long as she could, too. So how... And we've been kind of best friends ever since then. Yeah, well, I guess when you go... This is one of the reasons I really, um, I really wanted you to come on and talk to you because, like, so this this baby, um, what was her name? Brandy. Brandy. So, yeah. Brandy. I mean, I. It's, it is a really. I mean. Yeah, you. We were you really excited to be having a baby. That was like my dream. And we were sitting there doing the ultrasound, like she was jumping around, playing, and we were excited. And then the technician walked out and came back with the doctor, and they kind of just told us that she wasn't going to be able to live after birth. So they didn't even tell me what it was called. I went home and started researching stuff. Fuck. Um... Uh, I decided to carry her as long as I could. That's amazing. What was, uh, I'm so, I like, honestly, it's so hard to figure out what well, to say, I guess. Cause it's, I'm like, I've actually got tears. Is, I figured I should explain what that is actually. Yeah. Their brain does not form all the way and they don't have like the top part of their skull. So it kind of stops right above the eyebrows and above the ears. So it's all open. Jesus Christ. Some cases aren't as severe. Some are more severe. So, I wish I had, had like notes for information to give you about that because it's really good for people to be educated on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely send some through to me after this. Um, so yeah. Because that's what, like, what I've, when I first started recording all of these episodes, these birth episodes and hearing people's story, story, sorry, the thing that I realized more than anything was that it is so important to tell these stories so that people can be educated and we can be compassionate and know how to react in these sort of, because I know for me, like, I... Even hearing your story now, like I've had tears in my eyes already and, but knowing what to say and knowing how to, how to be there for someone who's gone through something like that is, yeah. and it's not something that I feel like people talk about a lot, you know? these days the doctors are not supportive. Really? Like my doctor tried to get me to have an abortion to end the pregnancy because she wasn't viable. I guess a waste of time for them. I cannot do it. Yeah. 
That is so, uh, like, that's so, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to do that either. But so brave of you to, well, I guess, like, you were in love, you know? And, yeah, exactly. And how do you, how do you decide, you know? Um, so when, when was she born? How far along was she when she... I made it to 31 weeks, but Holy shit. Um, she couldn't swallow the fluid, so it was building up. So I had like two gallons of fluid in my stomach and a little tiny baby. So for my health reasons, we had to induce labor. Yeah. And she passed away 12 hours before she was born. Fuck. Um. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Like, it really is, uh, as I said to you, like, I could not, I can't even begin to imagine um, what that would have been like. But for those of us that, I guess, can't, uh, like, as I said, we can't understand or, you know, we never, we never will. Can you, what did you need at the time? What What was going through your head? How, like, what were your feelings and... If someone could have said something to you, what would it have been that would have not helped? But I guess. Even going through all I've went through, I still don't know what to say. Yeah. Because there's really nothing to say. Like be there for somebody, but I guess it's more about listening than saying something. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. I guess like I had um, a friend tell me that she... Because I was actually um, asking her advice on whether to, you know, have an episode about stillbirths because it is one of those things I guess people like, but it's so sad. And and I think that's the problem is people, we don't want to talk about things that are too sad or too upsetting or too controversial or too whatever it is. So we just like, yeah. you know, just uh, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. Like, and, but she said to me, she had a friend who had a still, like who lost her baby. Um, and she said at the time she didn't know, she had, she didn't know how to react. Like she didn't know what that friend needed. So instead she kind of, um, almost just dropped off the planet and didn't actually really talk to her because she was worried about saying the wrong thing. Or she just thought like, oh, she's going through all of this, like, the last thing that she needs is me around. And she said, yeah. it wasn't until years later that she, she, these are her words. She said, I realized how much of a cunt I was, her words. Um, and that, that was the moment that she, that person needed me more than ever. And that's why she mm-hmm. said, like, it's so important that we do talk about this so that, you know, like we can't offer advice. As you said, like all we need to do is listen or, or be there to just go like, I'm here, you know, I'll like cook meal or do something because I guess I don't know, like were there a lot of people that I guess um, dropped out of your life or didn't really know how to react? Yeah, pretty much. People wanted me to come and get over it. I mean, a lot of people wanted me to just end the pregnancy and move on, but I couldn't do that. So I'm glad I carried her. I think it helped that I found out so early and I had time to cope with it. Yeah. I kind of seemed like I 
God gave me that baby, I would let him take her when it was time. And there would be like a lesson from it. I mean, I guess that's what got me through. What do you think you have you figured out what the lesson is yet? <laughs> well, God's still waiting. I've lost a lot in my life, so I'm really not sure where the lessons. I mean, I don't know. Does it make you, I guess, more grateful for the children that you have? I mean, actually, yeah. Because when I fell pregnant with my son, my rainbow baby, yeah. oh. um, I guess I loved him different than I probably would have before. Yeah. I wanted to soak up every little thing, and I did. Yeah. I can't believe he's 11 now, but, yeah. And do you find, like, even those, I guess, um, I mean, I'm sure you're a mum, we still have those moments where we're like, oh, my God, I just can't even deal. You're driving me nuts, or I haven't slept in, you know, uh, 30 <laughs> years or whatever. I guess, do you have more perspective on those moments where you're like, I'm just so grateful to be even experiencing yeah. this. But I still get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So you just have yeah. rest of us. <laughs> I mean, I've got a two-year-old that's always screaming for my boobs while the baby's going to eat. It's just chaos. So you're still feeding Homework, your... laundry. <laughs> are you, um, so you, what do they call it, tandem feeding? Yes. Holy fuck, you are actually amazing. <laughs> this is why I was like, I just could, like your story and just how even empowered and incredible you are with all your children and like tandem feeding babies and like, are you even real? What? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so after, so you had your rainbow baby. When, yeah. when did you find out that you were pregnant with... Um, what's your eldest's what's your eldest boy's name? Jaden. Jaden. How Jaden. He's eleven. So Brandy was born in October of two thousand seven and then Jaden was born in September of two thousand eight. So they were real close. How did you feel? It was when almost you... like instant. Oh really? Um how did you feel when you fell pregnant with him? I was really scared. That's yeah. when I started kind of looking into more things and uh, about, like, the birth defect and stuff. I was terrified. Fucking hell, I can't even... So they wouldn't even, like, give me a doctor's appointment until they could tell everything. It was, like, 20 weeks when they let me come in. I was freaking out. Really? Yes. Because, I mean, I just think about how terrifying it is without having been, having lost a baby or... You know, like, um, yeah, like it's, it's scary enough without having gone through that. And like the fear, you know, how there's that whole, you know, 12 week period where you're not supposed to tell anyone it's supposed to be a secret just in case, you know, something happened. What are, you, what are actually your thoughts on that? Well, it, um, I don't know. After I kept having miscarriages, I quit talking about them. <laughs> I was like, I kept Jackson a secret until I was like seven or eight months pregnant. I didn't tell anybody. Oh, but I didn't see my family or anybody either, so it didn't, they never noticed. Did they not live near you? They didn't at the time. Yeah. And I just kind of didn't visit much. 
I think my dad and brothers were about the only ones that knew. I guess it would be hard to... I was going to say, were people, like, looking at you, like, should I or should I not ask if you... Yeah. Like, seven months Well, I seen my aunt. I was, like, eight months pregnant, and I went to see my aunt because her... She just had a grandbaby, and I was like, well, I'm going to go meet this baby. She just kept looking at me the whole time, like, she would not ask me. I was like... I'm having a baby, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, okay, I didn't want to ask." I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, like I'm having the, she's I'm like, having it next month. <laughs> well, usually I'm like 120 pounds, so I blow up when I'm pregnant. I'm like, they gotta know. Oh, see, I don't. I have obviously we're in Australia. I don't know what <laughs> what that converts to in kilos. I'm like, is that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So do you say you blow up when you have babies? So oh, it's yeah. pretty obvious. <laughs> I don't like, know how to convert it for you, but it's like <laughs> 60 pounds. I mean, normal is maybe 30. I just, every single time it happens, I can't help it. <laughs> well, Karen, like you're making a human. <laughs> I mean, up on yeah. like, it blows my mind. I, it actually, I hate how much, um, how much emphasis we put on our bodies when we're pregnant. And I mean, this would be interesting to hear like your perspective because you've had so many pregnancies and so many babies. And I guess you would have watched your body change so much. Um, And I know like so many people really, I think all of us struggle with it because it is like, it's like just becoming a mum for the first time, like the changes of, um, not only physically, but even our life. <laughs> I can hear the puppies in the background. They're so cute. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's what, what has been the hardest, as someone with, you know, so many kids and having been through so many pregnancies, what do you think has been the hardest adjustment to motherhood for you? Um. I don't know. I think motherhood comes pretty easily to me. I think the hardest thing for me is going through it without my mother. Yeah. That bothers me a lot. Is she... Like, when I want advice, I have no one to talk to. Has your mother... Has your Did your mum pass away when you were... Um, or is she just not present? No. She passed away three weeks before I had Jaden. So just a few months after Brandy died, my mom died. Holy shit. You really have actually been through, like, hell and back. Um, yeah. <laughs> How do you, have you, do you, oh, have you, do you see so someone? Like my first live birth baby, my mom was supposed to be there, and she just suddenly passed away. Um, oh, God, <laughs> Um, so sudden, so you weren't, you had no idea, like she wasn't ill or anything like that? No, no, she was fine. Like we were getting a room ready for her to come stay with us and stuff. I actually had him early cause I went into labor because of all the stress. Yeah. It was just a freak accident thing. I don't know. Not an accident, but I guess they called it. A pulmonary embolism. How do you how do you get through these things? Like, 
How? <laughs> I don't... Day to day. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to survive every single day. And... So my kids keep me going, so there's that. Not sure what I would do without them. They are pretty amazing as far as, like, I have not been through anything even remotely, remotely similar to what you've been through. But I recently um, lost someone really close in my life. And uh, that was the first time, I guess, like, I've lost people before, but no one that close. First time I'd ever really experienced um, grief to that degree. And it is like it's almost easier and harder. Well, for me anyway, it was almost easier and harder having children around because they almost distract you from it a bit, which kind of like, and because you don't really, like you have to keep being a mum, you know, you can't yeah. just like sit there and grieve as much. Well, was, I had a really hard time with that when my dad passed away. Oh my God. Cause, uh, that's, that was in 2018. Oh, my um, God. I'm so sorry. I mean, Jackson, Jackson had just turned one, and my dad actually took his own life four days later. Holy really. shit. I don't know. It's been hard. Oh but then, like, two weeks after his burial, I found out I was pregnant with my last baby, so it was like a really rough pregnancy. I didn't handle that very well. What do you, yeah, like, but how, like, how do you, I mean, how else are you even supposed to handle it? Like, I can't even. I think I was a really bad mom this past year, but basically I Oh my God. No, I, no, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. Like I think we all have moments where we think we're a bad mum, but I mean, like uh, when do you get to grieve, you know, like, and your kids are going to be uh, like. I mean, the kids, I don't hide it from them because they're sad good. too and I want them to know it's okay for them to cry with me. Yeah. Sometimes I'll sit in my car or in the shower and I really let it out. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. It's hard to keep it together sometimes. Yeah, fucking hell. It's hard to keep it together, like, just on a regular day when you have nothing to even, you know, be sad about. Like, <laughs> just being a mum, it's hard to keep it together sometimes. So, do you, like, have you... Do you see some like? Do you get counselling or anything like that? No. I mean, I've thought about it, and I probably should. Yeah. My OB gave me some medication, like while I was pregnant and stuff. She really helped me out. Who was that? Sorry. Well, I don't know. I don't want to be on medication. Yeah. I took it while I was pregnant to kind of keep my sanity. <laughs> yeah. But it has so many side effects. I can't, I think it makes things a little worse for me. What do you find? Are there any things that you find, I guess, when you're in those, I mean, like, some days are worse than others, I can only assume, you know? 
those times, what what do you do? Sorry, Marley's just trying to suck my face off. What What is your – do you have something that you do for you? No. I mean, I've got the babies. Yeah. And they kind of keep me distracted. Jackson can make me laugh all the time. So oh. if he sees me sad, he's trying to make me happy. Um, do you feel like he's... But I don't... Sorry, you go. You go. I don't really... I don't know. Do you find Jackson's, I guess, um, not grown up faster, but like I, my mum always said to me, you always get the baby that you need. What do you think about that? Having been through what you've been through and also having so many kids. Well, Jackson is like an image of my father. So like he's got his personality and his eyes and everything. And I think that's kind of what Jackson is here for, just to get me through this. I'm not sure why I'm having to go through this, but... Yeah, do you ask that? He's just... Like, are you, as you said, like, you're not sure. Because that would be... That's even what I'm thinking. You know, I'm like, that's not fair. How can one person go through so much, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I struggle with depression a lot, but I know that I have my kids, so they pull me through. Jesus Christ. Well, they're so lucky to be here. So, yeah, like even when you were talking about how you struggled with your most recent pregnancy, I feel, I, God, I feel bad. I whinged the whole time I was pregnant with Marley, like literally whinged my fucking soul out and felt like a crazy person. At one stage I was like, Chris, lock me the fuck up. I don't even know who I am anymore because, you know, I don't know what our hormones are doing or whatever it is. For some reason I thought Marley was going to come out like, you know, Satan (laughs) because I felt like Satan when I was pregnant. I honestly was like, I don't know how I've got any friends or family left because I've just been evil for nine months straight. And he came out just yeah. like so, so sweet and would <laughs> <laughs> just surprise the shit out of me because I always thought like my pregnancies, oh, I just, I just guess like, you know, when I was pregnant with Marley, I just felt really fiery. I had this really like fiery part inside of me, which I normally am not a particularly fiery person. And so I was like, oh, God, Marley's going to come out and he's just going to be such hard work and he's just going to, like, be, be a little fireball. Um, and then he came out and he's, like, so placid, whereas Maddie is literally, like, she is a human fireball. And I think it's a girl thing because my girls are <laughs> the same way and my boys are so chill. Oh, oh, my gosh. I've actually heard this so so many people say the same things, especially when they've got both. I feel like, and this is, you know, just going off people that I know, people that have all boys, they say the boys are just like full on. But when they've got boys and girls, it's like, I don't know whether it's just in comparison But these girls that are coming into the world are, like, not here to just sit down and be told what to do. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. My eight-year-old, oh, my God. 
She is awful. But she never <laughs> stops talking. Yes. Oh, my God. They don't shut up. But, well, Maddie doesn't. I literally... I'm so excited for her to be able to like talk and, you know, when they're going through the milestones and you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to be able to have conversations with you. And now I'm like, please, please just shut your fucking face for five minutes. Five minutes is Uh all. (laughs) I just need silence. Jackson is like really advanced for a two-year-old. So he talks a lot. I'm like, please stop. He's like, come here, Ma. I love you, Ma. Look at this. Come here. Come play. I'm like, please, chill. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's always trying to pick up Harper and take Harper to play. I'm like, she's a baby. Yes. Yeah, so he doesn't care. No. Nah. So how are, So when's Jackson's birthday? Because he must, he must be close to Maddie, I reckon. His is July 14th. Okay. So Maddie's about six months older than him, but... Yep, she's the same. Like, and um, Harper's the same age as Marley. And yeah, <laughs> Maddie does the same. Like, I honestly don't even know how Marley's alive, to be honest. I thought he was. <laughs> there were so many times where I was like, I honestly wanted to like put him in a cage because, or cage Maddie, one of the two. Like, a caged Maddie would have been unreal. But like, that's let's what I said we were going to do with Harper is put her in a cage so Jackson couldn't attack her. <laughs> yeah. He really does not stay off of her since I brought her home. He loves her to death. Oh, that's so good, though, that he... At least it's... I mean, at least they're, like, almost murdering them with love. At least it's not, like, you know, killy murder. Like, they're they're pissed off that they're there. (laughs) How did all of your kids, I guess, take, uh, like, respond to being big siblings? Well, they love it. Yeah. All of them. They're very sweet kids. And I'm not just saying that because they're mine. Like, everybody wants my kids. I don't know what I've done. They're just really well-behaved. And they're very kind and well-mannered. And they just love the babies. They want me to keep having babies, and I told them no. Oh, yeah. Are you done? Are you done with having babies? Um, yeah. (laughs) I wonder if it's... I mean, I've... I did not want to push Harper out. I was like, please just grab her and pull her out. I can't do this. I was screaming. I was in pain. It was terrible. Yes. Yeah, so Abby, stop. So tell me about. Sorry. No, oh my God. Don't be sorry for a second. I mean, this is a podcast. Like, I think 90, over 90% of my listeners are all mums. So okay. <laughs> we've all got kids screaming in the background, people just pausing the podcast and going, shut up. Um, <laughs> at least I can only imagine. Um, so tell me about your births. Tell me about your favorite births. Tell me about, um, what helped, what didn't help. Um, yeah, yeah tell us all about them. Okay. Oh, uh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um... They're all really bad. You want to hear about all of them? Shit, yeah. <laughs> That's not what you Let's see, Jaden. I mean, Jaden's really wasn't that bad. Yeah. He was eight pounds, three ounces. But when he came out, he had this really big head and it snapped my tailbone <gasps> before he came out. So it was like, I couldn't move after he was born. Holy shit. It was freaking awful. It's still broke. They can't fix it. Oh, my God. Did you have to, like, sit on a – I've broken my tailbone before, and I had to, like, 
to like carry around a hemorrhoid cushion everywhere with me for like six months because I couldn't sit on my ass. <laughs> I couldn't get up. Yeah. Fuck. At all. I couldn't get out of the car. My husband had to pull me out of the car, help me walk around. It was terrible. How did you even, how were you able to parent? Well, I only had Jaden then. So oh, yeah. we were, he was a newborn. We stayed in bed till my husband got home and he had helped me get up and move around a little bit. I guess it almost forced you to do nothing but just sit down and enjoy my new baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Was it almost like a blessing, do you feel? Yeah. That and then he had to be put in he had the high belly ribbon. The what? So he had to be in the light. Um Oh, the um like the like jaundice? Yes, jaundice, that's it. Yeah. So they had to bring a light to my house, and he had to stay in there every day for like a week. And I was freaking out because I wanted to hold him. Oh. So I could only take him out to feed him. Oh, really? My yeah, God, it's like it baby terrible. chickens. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, yeah, so Jaden broke your tailbone. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you had to, you're in bed rest for, so how long were you basically in bed for? <laughs> like couldn't move? Probably the first three months because I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, that was like a really bad break. They were like, there's nothing we can do. How fucking <laughs> they gave big me a was his head? Meditation, so. Was his head like this? Um, I think it was like 14 inches. I don't, is that, I'm assuming that's big because it um, broke your tailbone. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. When he's annoying you, are you ever like, mate, you broke my fucking tailbone. Sit down. <laughs> oh yeah. He still hears about it. <laughs> he still has a big head too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Do you that was to... like my only fear when I got pregnant with Caden. So I was like, well, I had a miscarriage before her. So when I was Jesus. pregnant with her, I was like, I just don't want to break my tailbone again or worse. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> hoping, hoping that she had a smaller head. Were you making sure that they were like measuring her head every single time you got a scan? Yeah. She did. Um, she was like seven pounds, nine ounces. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Well, it's a nice little size. <laughs> her the labor with her was awful. The worst thing I'd ever felt. Really? Why is I that? I was like screaming in pain. I didn't know what was going on. They told me I was being dramatic. Fuck that. But, I mean, it was probably a month after her birth and everything when I went home. And I found out that I had kidney stones in both oh. of my ureters. So every time I was having contractions, I was contracting on those stones and they were ripping me up, <gasps> like ripping my ureters. Holy That's why it hurt so bad. Birth sucks <laughs> but anyway. I had, well, I had went in wanting a natural labor. Oh my. So when I was ready for my epidural because I couldn't handle the pain, yeah. they didn't want to come give it to me. Oh, my God. But I was at a teaching hospital. So they... The anesthesiologist was frustrated with me, so we sent in a student by herself. She injected it, like, 
too high or in the wrong spot or something. And when they laid me back, it went through, like, my whole body. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't breathe. The baby's heart rate dropped. And my nurse was like, I've never seen this happen before in, like, 20-something years. And I'm like, am I about to die? But it took forever. It had been, like, over an hour. My husband had snuck back in and walked in on them. There's, like, my room was full of doctors trying to figure out what to do. But uh, they yelled at him to get out. He was standing there with Jaden. Jaden oh. was, like, two years old. That is... It was like... really, really scary Yeah. to think that I was about to lose another baby. Yes. That's so true. Like, just that... I mean... Yeah, it's fearful. That would have been just terrifying. Anyway, I can't even believe that, like, you had... Because, like, kidney stones are fucked. Birth is fucked. To have them both at the same time is, like, you need to go get a fucking lotto ticket. (laughs) I had eclampsia after I had Brandy. So I had seizures a couple days after she was born. So we were kind of watching for that. They gave me meningitis from putting fluid on my brain. Fuck. And I ended up with eclampsia again, so I was, like, having seizures all over again. Is that what I, like, I don't actually really even know that much about preeclampsia, so is that what happens? You get seizures. Um, I'm not really sure how it works. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I really don't know. I guess my body doesn't process proteins, something. I'm not sure That's right. how it causes me to have seizures. Jesus Christ. I don't understand that. Fucking hell. But it happened. And then somehow I knew what I was having with all my babies. So when I got pregnant with Harper, I knew I was a girl. And I was like, the only thing I'm scared of is having seizures again. So he's watching me and... She ended up being a girl, but I did not have the seizures. So did you get preeclampsia with, did you say so every time you had a girl, you had preeclampsia? Is that what you were saying? Well, I didn't have preeclampsia. I just got eclampsia, which happened after birth. I had preeclampsia with Jaden, no seizures. My body's weird. Oh my god! No, I didn't I even know that eclamp. <laughs> I didn't even know that eclampsia was a thing. I just assumed you were saying preeclampsia, so you can get it after far out. See, I'm learning so much yeah. right now. I mean, it's. I guess preeclampsia is when they're watching for it through your pregnancy. Eclampsia is where you have seizures and all the side effects after delivery. So, what are some of the other side effects? Uh, I guess swelling during pregnancy. I'm not really sure. After after I had Brandy, I went completely blonde, had a freaking god awful headache, migraine. Do you say Nothing blonde? Get rid of it. Or blind? Blind. Oh, I was like, yeah, blind. I was like, imagine I that. I couldn't see anything. Fuck. <laughs> but I still wouldn't go to the hospital. They had to call an ambulance because I'd went into a seizure Jesus just in the middle of the day. And, and so that's how they this, got me into the hospital. And at this stage, you had two babies at home. 
well, a two-year-old and a baby? That one, that one was with Brandy. With Caden, yeah. we had Jaden. Sean had to take Cadence home with him. I didn't get to leave the hospital. I didn't get to nurse her. My oh nurses God. came in and, like, pumped me, so I kept my milk. But they had to put me in the critical care because I had fluid on my brain. Nobody could come visit me. It was really messed up. I was in there for, like, three weeks. Fuck. And in those three weeks? They had weeks. to put me to sleep. It was crazy. What? Holy shit. You need to write a fucking book. Like, all of this stuff, <laughs> even just one of these things is fucked. Like, mm-hmm. like it's like a series of events. I mean, I question why I have to keep going through stuff. I want to have one normal birth, come home, love my baby, yeah, and be happy. Like something's always happening to me. <laughs> That's so insane. But I can imagine that your compassion for, I guess, people who. Uh, I mean, experience like anything, like uh, just even one of those many things, Some like whether they experience loss or they experience trauma throughout their birth, you would be able to have so much compassion and understanding for them because you've experienced it. Yeah. Do you find that? Like, I be- think that's why I go through it because the girl I went to high school with, but we didn't know each other. So we had this thing in common, this really extremely rare birth defect. Yeah. And now we're best friends for the past nine years. That's amazing. And she you... was, her doctor had talked her into having an abortion. She went to Atlanta, which is like six hours away, to have an abortion, and she couldn't do it. So she just came back home, and she went through a pregnancy. I helped her where I could, and... I mean, she feels better about it. She went on to adopt three kids. Oh. And she has this beautiful family. And we have this thing in common. Do you, um... It's just the way the world works, I guess. Have you... Do you know much about... Have you ever heard of Tony Robbins or read or watched any, any of his things? No. So he, I've watched, he's got a thing on um, Netflix and it's called I'm Not Your Guru. And like, I'd heard everyone talked, had been talking about this Tony Robbins and he's American um, and he's like this, I guess, inspirational sort of guy. And eventually one night, Chris and I were like, oh, I have no idea what to watch. All right, we'll just watch this. We've been told to watch it a million times. And it was really actually amazing really amazing he's a phenomenal man and he gets people like come to, like he holds these I guess great big um fuck like workshops I guess and all these people come um and he was and he gets them to like write in their stories beforehand I think or something like that I remember at one stage um he goes are there is there anyone here who is suicidal um, and those people stood up and he gave the mic to this girl and she, um, and he's like, asked her why, or what have you been through? And I can't remember the story exactly, but essentially she, um, 
had been in this, um, like, I don't want to call it a cult or religion, some, some sort of something where she, people had been, men had been having sex with her since, or raping her since she was literally a child. And that was just part of yeah. the, I can't remember what the religion's called. Children, is it children of Christ or something? Children of, oh, I don't know, but it's fucked up. So fucked up. Yeah. And he said to her, um, and she was like crying and everything. And like, I was bawling my eyes out listening to this. And he said like he himself has been, he's been molested and raped and all that kind of stuff, his childhood as well. And he said, we have been put on this earth to help other people because we cannot help others if we haven't been through shit. You know, it's like if you've gone through something, the last thing you want is to be talking to someone who's had this like perfect life where they've been through absolutely nothing, nothing's ever happened to them, and they can't actually understand what you've been through. They can't. There's no way. The last thing you want to hear is like, you know, someone trying to tell you how to heal yourself or tell you how to feel when they have no fucking clue. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Can you, uh, yeah. I understand that. <laughs> so I guess like, yeah, I mean, that was just the thing that came up to me. Like for someone who has been through so much and like an un- unbelievable, literally um, unbelievable amount of things. After I lost my dad, someone told me to not, that it didn't happen to me. That it just, it's something that happened in my life. I'm like, that doesn't make sense because it strongly affects how I live now. What, sorry, what did they say? That it didn't happen to me. Like, it's not, I shouldn't let it affect how I live. What? How I feel. I'm like. You're like, that's my dad. That's my dad? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I live in his house. (laughs) Like he's not just a stranger on the street or. No. But that's it. Like people just. People like you. not to let it affect me. Like how do I not let that affect you? Yeah. It's not even possible. Come on. He's right. Um, I guess people like you have so much to give others. Like I can only imagine there'd be at least, even if there's one person listening to this, one person listening to this that has been through even something remotely similar to what you've been through, or just like literally one of those like many awful things that you've had to experience, they would be listening and going, like, I'm not alone, you know? And that's why it's so, I think there's so much healing in talking. There's so much. Like, that's why I do what I do because I feel like by talking and being honest and people being authentic and you know there's so much like our our parents and our grandparents they didn't talk about things you know they didn't they had to like just put a smile on and pretend like everything was fine even though they were going through war and they were you know being mums and just going through normal shit but they weren't it wasn't like normalized for them to be able to talk about it. But I feel like these days we're so lucky because 
people and women especially finally starting to like actually discuss things and talk about things and talk about traumas and all that kind of thing. And it gives people, it gives other people the permission to do the same. And then we, and yeah, like I know for me, this, even just this motherhood journey and like, you know, going through birth and like as women, we experience things that literally 50% of the population cannot understand and do not know. It's like our own cool little thing that we get to go through, but it's intense. And the only other people that are, that understand are people that have gone through it. It's like when you become a mum and all of a sudden you really, you need mum friends as a mum. Because you can't, it's really hard to like talk to someone who doesn't have kids and be like, oh my God, I'm so fucking tired. Or like my kid did this because they're like, for starters, they're like, oh, don't really have much to say, but also they do the whole like, oh, but you know, you're so grateful that you've got kids, whatever it is, you know, they can't understand. I don't really have people in my life. I guess that's why I like social media sometimes, but I think because maybe because I'm so sad, I don't know. People kind of, the more people I lose, the more people I lose. <laughs> yeah. Are Does you, that make sense? Yeah, like you're worried that like if you get to. Like they just dropping out of your life. I think maybe people don't come over to here because I live in my dad's house and it's hard for them to come here. Yeah. But I feel like since he left, my whole family left. Oh, really? So that's left me in a really bad spot mentally, I guess. Yeah, fucking hell. I can't even, like, as I said, I can't even begin to imagine. You know, it's hard enough having not gone through what you've been through. <sighs> um, what, what would be, say if there is someone who has experienced loss what 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 is the thing that you would want to hear from someone or a friend or anyone or not even want to hear but what do you what do you need I think it helps to have someone to just cry with one of my best friends just lost her mom to cancer. We've, I guess we have that in common, losing our moms. So Mm. we just kind of sit and cry together. That's our thing. Yeah. She wants to talk about her mom or show me pictures. People don't like to look at pictures of my dad. So I understand that it's, it's healing to sit and be able to talk about it. Mm. Yeah. Do you find that people like almost, it's almost inconvenient for them, I guess, the fact yeah. that you've experienced loss and that you've lost it because it's like, I think that's like the thing with grief is that everyone else around you wants you to get over it because it does inconvenience them. And, you know, you want to be able to, and they've already moved on, you know? So like, yeah, you're still trying, you want to keep this person, you want to talk about them, you want to remember them. But it's hard when no one else does, I guess. I feel like talking about it makes it real. It's really hard for me to cope with it because I've lived with him for four years. Mm. But people get uncomfortable when you mention how it happened. 
Like, it happens all the time. People taking their own lives. Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't so common. I cannot believe it's a part of my life. Never thought it would be. We I actually, I've done an episode before on, um, I guess, men. Like how, because it is, it's more the, the statistics are horrible. Like as far as how many men take their life, um, because I guess we, we live in a world where we have told men that they're not allowed to feel, they're not allowed to cry, they're not allowed to express. They just have to be manly men who feel nothing at all. Um, and then they, that you know, this is the result, I guess, of like that sort of um, mentality that we've had. What were you, as someone who... I guess is on the other side of someone who has taken their life. What would be, I guess, almost your advice for someone who's sitting there thinking that there's nothing left? I guess I think everybody should know that somebody loves them. Because, I mean, the past week, to be honest, I was kind of on a very thin line of staying for my kids or leaving because I I don't want to live with the guilt. Mm. I have guilt for my mom. I have guilt with my dad. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that I've been in that place where you don't feel like you have anybody. Mm. Well, I have little brothers. They're, they just turned 15, so they were 14, about to turn 14 when my dad died. I feel like they don't have that groundedness because they don't have kids and stuff. They think they're alone. They just started high mm. school. They're both have suicidal thoughts because they want to go be with our dad. Mm. So we've kind of bonded. I let them talk to me about it. We're open about things. My, I have two older brothers. Mm. They don't talk about it. But I feel like the teenagers, they just they don't understand it. So mm. I guess what I tell them is that they are loved. Their mother loves them. We love them. I can't go through this again. Us as a family cannot go through this again. Mm. They have my kids. Jackson looks up to them like so much. He loves to be around them. Mm. I I can't imagine if something was to happen to them. So I just, I don't know how to, like I try to think what I would tell my dad if I could pull him out of the dark spot he was in, but I don't know that anything would even get through. Yeah. I tried to talk to him beforehand, and he told me to not be mad at what he does. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, just don't be mad at me. And I was like, do not do anything stupid, because I've just kind of sensed it in my stomach. Like, I sense everything. I can't explain that, but I could feel it. And I 
told my husband, I told my brother, and I told my mother-in-law. And they're like, no, he would never do that. I'm like, well, I hope not. But then one day my little brother texted me, and he was like, have you talked to Dad? And I said, no. But a couple hours before that, he texted me and told me sorry. And I was like, it just all kind of clicked. And I just started bawling. I was like, he's gone. I can't go over there and check because I know that he's got to be gone. I'm not, I don't think... Uh, this is about birth. Do you want to go back to birth? <laughs> oh, no. Well, I told you at the beginning, like, I feel like these episodes, they always segue to what I feel like they need to segue to. You know, this is like you have, you have experienced everything. You have experienced like, uh, like a thousand people's traumas in one life. Not even, you know, like... Yeah. You have a lot of, I, I guess, wisdom to give. Go on at this subject if you wanted to go back to what we should be talking about. No, this is your episode. I told you that at the beginning. This is your episode. This is your story. And, you know, as I said, like this is, there's going to be people listening to this who, um, you know, I can only imagine have... We've all, I guess we've all been, had moments where we've gone, what's the point, you know, or like, and yeah. even if it's just like dramatic teenage thoughts or whatever it is, you know, we, I um, can only imagine we've all been there, but the reality of, the reality of suicide and the reality of stillbirth and the reality of miscarriages and rainbow babies and everything else that you've experienced, like this is a podcast about real shit and this is real shit. We do, it's not all like, you know, rainbows and butterflies and funny things. This is the reality. And for you to be able to share that with us is so special and so important. And, you know, I, (laughs) I believe that, like you have so much to give, I guess, having experienced so much, you have so much to share and you have so much to give because you've experienced um, emotions and feelings and things that so many people just will never experience in their lifetime. So what you can give to people is huge, so huge. So, well, yeah. what I was what I was going to say yeah. was um, when I felt that way, I refused to come to his house. I didn't want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I called my husband to come and check on him. He was at work, so he like flew down here, and one of my friends had headed this way as well. My dad hid from my husband as my husband was begging for him to stop. Like, don't do this. Oh, sorry. You, I feel like my, sorry, my dad on, was yeah. still alive yeah. when my husband showed up. My friend showed up right behind him. And before she could even get out of the car, they heard the gun go off. And I feel like he, he would have known that 
I was probably in the car with my friend. If my husband was here looking for him, I feel like he would have thought that was me coming up the driveway, and he still did it. He had so much to live for. But he still hid from my husband as my husband's running around the property looking for him. And then he snuck out and shot himself. Were you ang- Even though he told you not to be mad, were you mad? Oh, hell yeah. yeah I'm still mad. Yeah. I don't know how to get past it, really. Um, I'm coming for her. Even the, so obviously in the States, the whole gun laws and everything, that's such a big, I guess, um, debate and that, you know, in Australia where I guess I think we're quite lucky that we don't have access. It's not easy access at all for guns um, over here. Yeah. What are your, like, thoughts on that? Well, let's do it just a second. Let me just sit down with this baby. No, that's fine. Thank you. Okay. That's fine. Um, I don't like that. I've never liked them, really. Yeah. Because I guess growing up, like, we've never... The cult, like not the culture, but it has been so um, different growing up. Where it's like, it's so, it's like the rarest, weirdest thing in the world when you've got like your friends that live like fully in the middle of butt fuck nowhere who have like a couple of sh- guns to shoot pigs with, and that's it. And you know, like maybe three people in your whole life that have ever owned a gun. Um, whereas well, I've grown up around guns my whole life, but yeah. I've never been comfortable with them. What is sort like, of the feelings uh, over there at the moment with all the gun stuff? Oh, I don't even know. They're fine to take the guns away. But I mean, I don't think the criminals are going to give up their guns. Yeah. So I don't think that's really going to help. Yeah. My dad asked my brother to take the guns out of our house. But my brother lived in Florida and he couldn't just pick them up and you know, carry them home with him. Mm. He didn't have anywhere to put them, and he had a little boy. So he carries the guilt of not taking them out of the house. Mm. But there was, I mean, if he was going to do it, he was going to do it anyway. Yeah. Because they, uh, they found the rope as well. Fuck. I think that's maybe what he was doing when he was hiding. And since he couldn't do that quick enough, he took another route. Was it the death of your mother that, I guess, like when did he, when did you start to notice that he was really just like not coping? Well, him and my mom had been divorced almost my whole life. But he had remarried um, maybe 16 years ago or so. But they had divorced. They had the twins, little boys, in 2004. Mm. And then 
when they were about two or three years old, she wanted a divorce and she took off. So that's where things started going bad. Yeah. And uh, he was like reading his Bible. And that was really odd to us because he was not a Christian man. He didn't, he didn't ever go to church, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of proud of him for like sitting down and actually reading his Bible. Yeah. But my whole life, he had a drinking problem. He quit when the boys were starting to get older. And we were proud of him for that, too. Yeah. But he got disabled, couldn't work. He started having struggles. So we moved in with him to pay his house payment, take care of him. And she started taking him to court for child support. And that was the day that he decided to do it. Because he didn't have money to pay for child support, he thought he was going to go to jail. Fuck. It was only like $1,200. I don't know how that translates, but it's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it just, it wasn't worth his life. So. It was just so like... there's There was no way to stop him. That's like, when somebody's in that mentality, there's no, nothing that'll stop them. Yeah. I've read so many stories about people doing it in front of their kids and from their wives. Like, they just don't care. I'm like, I just can't imagine. Was he on antidepressants or was he, like, I guess, diagnosed with a mental illness or anything like that? Or No, he had been on pain medication from where he had been disabled at work. Mm. but he had quit taking them. And I think that's when things started getting real bad and he started having a beer here and there. And then that day, my husband got here. He went in, there's a bottle of tequila. It was half full when we had left. Mm. It was gone. There was a gun on the couch and um, court papers in the yard. And so he was kind of, we have like a, barn and a big field and stuff and my husband's running around everywhere trying to find my dad he was actually in one of our sheds where the rope was and when my husband was coming up from my barn which is on the other side of the shed my dad had snuck out the door and just sat down on the other side fuck I just I still can't believe that he did it hmm I cry every single day. Like, I can't get over it. Well, it's like, to me, my first thought, it's just so, such a fucked thing to have to be on the other end of. Like, because, like, I mean, I guess you've, like, you've lost your, mum in such a different way and how like how do the different types of I guess grief translate is it yeah I mean every one of them has been different with Brandy I was kind of at peace with things like I knew it was going to happen I was ready for it Mm. I knew that there was something would come from it something good would come from it yeah and then my mom died and it was weird like I was at a doctor's appointment early one morning and she had called me and I guess I told her that I would call her after my appointment because I hadn't seen the doctor yet. 
And I done my scan and everything. I started to dilate a little, so I tried to call her back, and she wouldn't answer. And then she never texted me back or called me the rest of that day. And I was like, well, this is weird. So my dad called me the next day, and he was like, your brothers are coming to get you. And I was like, why? He was like, I can't tell you. And he's like, just be ready. And I was like, it's mom, ain't it? And he said, I'm sorry. And I just hung up and screamed until I couldn't scream anymore. Yeah. I was like, how is this happening? Like, I'm about to have a baby. So I had to, I drove three hours in labor Fuck. where she had lived at. And, uh, I don't know, we didn't get to see her. They had already taken her to the hospital. Her boyfriend was a psycho. So he kind of, he didn't tell us that we could go see her. So he just wanted us to sit with him while he cried. He left her there for like two days before he called anybody. So I think there's something fishy going on, but I can't get into that. I don't know what happened. Jesus Christ. So they went and do an autopsy. We didn't know they were married. He pulled out a marriage certificate and was like, I don't want an autopsy. So they didn't do one. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so sad. She was gone. I mean, it was, I mourned for her for like 10 years and then my dad died and shit just got so much worse like I feel like I've mourned for her for so long that I'm kind of okay with it now like I know that that she's gone because before I didn't believe it yeah well especially because it happened so suddenly like were you just in shock for so long I mean, I always dream that she had went away and come back, and it was a joke. Mm. And I always wake up thinking that. No way. Where's your grandma? (laughs) (laughs) They're all in there somewhere, baby, I promise. But, I don't know, grieving for my dad's completely different to know that he chose to leave us because mm. Jackson was his best friend they were together all the time and he would just walk around the whole property talking to him and I, was, I think that's how he got so smart and caught on to that um, sense of humor that my dad had <laughs> yeah how did you, how how did the kids cope and how do you explain – actually, this is something that is really interesting and we should definitely talk about. Um, when my nana passed away recently, my – like Maddie was really close to her as well. They had a really, really special bond. And when she passed away, trying to explain that her great nana wasn't there anymore was so hard. And trying to explain it to someone who like – understood but didn't quite understand and I'm still struggling like she still has moments where she goes where's great nana or when are we seeing great nana and oh fuck it's so it's really hard to explain grief to children what's your advice in it all like what have you found well Jackson uh 
didn't really know how to tell him because he was only one when it happened. He still looks for him and asks for him. Mm. I have a hard time looking at pictures. But this past week, I bought my dad's house. We signed papers on Monday. Jesus. And uh, I just felt like I should sit down and let Jackson look at the videos and the pictures and stuff mm. and kind of talk to him. I told him that he was gone and I had him look up in the sky and told him he was up in heaven yeah. and that he couldn't come back because he's all the time looking for him in the barn and stuff and it's just killing me. But when he sees his pictures, he just laughs like he still remembers. And that blows my mind because he was just one year old. Jeez. And he still walks around here. He has his hats and he wears his shirt and stuff. And he gets on the mower and he hollers for him. Oh, my God. It breaks my heart. But I'm glad that he remembers. And I don't want him to forget because I put all the pictures up. Yeah. So I'm trying to kind of cope with that for myself so I can keep his memory alive with them. Yeah. Because my daughter, Cadence, she's eight, and she was Papa's girl. They would paint together and eat ice cream together and watch the Andy Griffith show and stuff. Like, she took it really hard, and she still does. We cry together. Is it almost nice being able to... I guess your kids are almost... Like, they are some of the only people that really understand, I guess, what you're going through. Like, as you said, like, they've been sort of like your saving grace through all of this. I just keep thinking, like, how fucking amazing are these kids going to be when they, like, obviously already, as you said, like, they are just such beautiful um, children. And I mean... Like, I think you do get the kids that you need and you're, you're like, children are so in tune and they know, like, they would be able to feel that you, like, don't push your buttons, I guess, you know, like, mum's already, yeah, <laughs> mum's been through enough. The last thing she needs is for us to be a douchebag and push those buttons. Yeah, like, they know when I'm upset, they'll come and hug me and stuff. That's so... Especially if they're making me upset. They're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. How beautiful. They are just going to be, I like, God, I, I can't wait to like chat back at you in like 10, like come back to you in like 10 years and just hear, you know, what your children are like. Because imagine like this yeah. is all part of their story as well. And that's I mean, all... To be so young, they do have their fair share of death too. Yeah. So they're... I mean, Jaden remembers walking in the room when I was having cadence and things were crazy. So every time I get pregnant, he's freaking out thinking I'm going to die. Jesus. He gets, like, really bad feelings in the hospital. You don't yeah. like it. Actually, this I'm was like, an... I promise if I have anything to do with it, I'll never die. Oh. I mean, I'm, I explained to them that it does happen. Like, I didn't think I would have to deal with it, but it's yeah. something that... It happens. Mm. Um, have you had any? So the other the other day, Maddie 
came and sat next to me on the couch and she goes, um, great Nana came to my house yesterday and I said, you mean Nana's coming to our house tomorrow? And she goes, no, great Nana came to our house yesterday. She comes to my room and I go, and I was like, what? Because kids, kids, I feel like are so in tune to this kind of stuff. And I said to yeah. her, can you, like, what did she say to you? And she goes, she told me that she loved the painting that I did for her. And so two days before my Nana died, I told Maddie that morning that we were going to go and visit her. And so she went to daycare that day and she did a painting for my great Nana. And we went and we took it to her and... She, my Nana wasn't, um, she was basically like, yeah, she was nonverbal. She couldn't talk. She was, it was basically like, she was just, you know, a body there. And Maddie went and showed her the painting, sat next to her, chatted to her, told her all about her day, gave her kisses. And we put the painting above her bed and it's still in my grandparents' house now. And I just thought, how on earth? Like, would she have not, like, it was the most, I bore my eyes out and just thought it was the most beautiful, most comforting thing to hear. Have you had, have your kids, like, have you had anything happen like that? Not quite. I mean, they, take us when she was a baby, she would pick up my mom's picture and say, Nana, Nana, which is what my mom wanted to be called. Oh, but when and she, she was didn't like even know. little like that, yeah, I didn't explain things to her. But she would always just be infatuated with my Brandy. Her whole life, she carried Brandy's bear around with her until it started getting wore out. And I'm like, I need to keep this for my whole life. So we're going to put it up. Oh my God. But she feels connected to her sister. She tells me that a lot. Really? Oh my god, I just got so many goosebumps. That's amazing. Is it comforting for you when you hear her say that? Oh. Hold on just a second. No, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Harper no. pulled my earbud out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Molly's just got a tooth recently and he is using it to um north through my finger, which is nice. Oh my goodness! <laughs> he's just making. He's just chatting to no one at the moment. Just having a little chat. I love this. I love that we can have got our babies in the background. My um, my big boss. He actually. He's recently just. Him and his wife have just had a baby, and that's why when I after I had Marley, and I was like, you know, because you it's hard being apart from them when they're so little, and especially if you're breastfeeding or. Whatever, it's hard being apart from them, even from a, for a few hours when they're so little. And it always kind of stresses me out. And he said, oh, bring them in. Like, and if you've got guests, make sure they bring their babies in. And like, yeah, it's so like, I'm very lucky like that, that, you know, I've got um, someone who's so supportive. But yeah, 
Like I love, I love that this podcast. Like we can do this on this podcast. You know, that's the beauty about podcasting as well. Is it's not like we're on live radio with babies making noises. And the other week, um, Marley literally had a poo explosion on me, and I was like recording, and he was sitting on my lap, covered in shit. And I was just like, oh, wow. I don't even know how to get out of this. I left the studio just with shit all over me and everyone's like, what happened? I'm like, don't even ask. <laughs> They're like, well, that's good old contraceptive <laughs> Um, So I just had a look at the time and we've been chatting for um, ages. I feel like we could continue to talk and delve and you have, as I said, you've experienced so much and you've got so much um to give us but we should probably I guess wrap it up oh Marley hello darling um what would your god I don't even know where to start as far as how to wrap this up what would be your <laughs> your advice for what's as someone with so many bubbers and is obviously just such an amazing mummy what's your advice to a new mum be patient. <laughs> I need to hear that one. <laughs> be patient. Yeah. Be patient in I mean, with everything, like as far as like with the child or with themselves or I guess with even. themselves. Yeah. Because I mean, sometimes, I mean, I've had some crying babies. Oh, really? And it gets frustrating. Yeah. And in the beginning, like, Cadence had colic, and I did not have anybody to call. I had nobody to help me. Yeah. I just, that's the only thing I could tell myself is to be patient. Because they're babies. My kids now, they need patience from me. Yeah. Yes. That is awesome advice. <sighs> patience. And for a new mum or even someone who I, I mean, guess... take, also take it slow yeah because I'm like housework kids all this everything has to be clean I have OCD oh, so really? I'm like as soon as I get home from having babies I just want to do stuff yeah and they sh- I feel like mothers should sit down and enjoy their babies Sorry, Marley has taken the microphone. He's trying to use it as a teaser. No, Marley. Sorry. Um, Yes, I love that advice because it is like we live in a society where we feel like we have to do it all. And I guess, as you said, you've got OCD. You want the house clean. And, like, it's so hard to – even me with two kids, I feel like every single day I'm just failing because I look at my house and I have just cleaned it. And yet – in like 30 seconds flat, it looks like an absolute fucking brothel again. And I'm like, I just can't even keep on top of this. How do people do this? How do people keep on top of the washing and the cleaning and the everything? Like, like how, like how are we supposed to do it all? And we have so, our expectations that we place on ourselves are just insane. Do you feel that? Oh, yeah. I mean... Since I've been depressed for the past few weeks, I've let stuff go, and I don't know if I'm ever going to catch up. The laundry. Yeah. With all these kids, and my daughter changes every day, like three times a day. Sorry. It's driving me crazy. I told her she's going to hang up all her clothes, so she'll stop taking out so many. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope it works because she's got like piles of clothes to hang up. Does she have like 10 costume changes a day? Yep. <laughs> she's a little diva. Then she gets out from school, she changes, and then she's like, oh, I need to wear a dress so I can go dance and sing. And then she has to put on shorts to go outside. I'm like, Stop. Like, hell no. You pick one outfit. <laughs> That's your outfit yeah. for the week. <laughs> Don't daddy it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so, oh, so, so much for sharing your. Oh, it's more than just a story, it's your stories with all of us. Um, what you've been through is, as I said, it's more than like a thousand people combined go through in a lifetime and it's, you know, unfathomable and just so fucking traumatic, like so traumatic. But your ability to share um, your experiences and share what you've been through is something that I personally am really grateful for and I – can't thank you enough for coming on here and sharing with us and sharing your heart and sharing your story. And, um, yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And I can only imagine that there would be so many people listening to this who, um, I hope people can become more compassionate, I guess, you know, and at least, at the very least, have some perspective. You know, I think often we get so caught up in things that just don't matter. Like, don't matter. I know I, every single day, like, it's so easy just to get so weighed down by little things and expectations and worries about what people think of us. And at the end of the day, like, especially hearing your story, like none of that stuff matters at all, you know, like at the end of the day, you've got, like, I've got my babies, I've got my loved ones. I'm so, so grateful. And just to have that perspective is so important because I think we can, a lot of us can, we get really entitled, really. Like a lot of us are very spoiled (laughs) as far as, and really, um, uh, just so unaware um, to I hope that if someone's listening and they're struggling with you know suicidal thoughts or whatever that they just hang on for another day yeah. just keep going day to day yeah. reach out for help yes yes I think that is so That's such an important message, even from all of this. And I know new moms struggle with it a lot because I got postpartum when I had Harper, so Mm. things got really hard for me. And I just think that people should be able to reach out and someone respond. Yes. Yes, and it not be taboo. It not be inconvenient. Um, I think it is really important that it's not... um, it's not a taboo thing to get help. I recently started seeing a counsellor for not because I felt, you know, not like fucked up or like I'd, you know, been through anything 
exceptionally traumatic or anything like that, but I just started to feel like I was not, I was afraid. I was really afraid of things. And I was, my, like, I didn't really think twice about seeing someone about it because um, to me, I was like, okay, at the very least, it's personal development and it's an experience. I can talk to someone and I don't want to, like, be, you know, bothering people with my issues, whatever it is. And yeah. if I can give anyone any advice, like far out seeing this woman and it, and like having spoken to a lot of people, you know, you might have to, I guess, shop around for someone who, um, aligns with you and someone who you resonate with and someone who you can have a connection with where you really, they ask the questions that, um, really make you understand yourself because yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, it's it's hard understanding yourself and understanding why you react in certain ways to certain things. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like even if we haven't been through anything um, hugely traumatic, just little things from when we were a kid or whatever it is, you know, um, but to be able to understand yourself and to be able to sort of, um, yeah, talk to someone is so healing. Like I've found so much healing through it and I recommend it to anyone you don't have to be fucked up you don't have to or if you you know whatever it is like you're not I'm definitely fucked up <laughs> and I probably do need a therapist yeah but it's, sometimes it's hard to just go out and yeah find one and healthcare is shit down here so yes that's actually so true I mean with four babies it's really hard to try to have that extra expense because mm. our insurance wouldn't cover it. Yeah, forget it. It's so different in America. Um, so there's, I mean, it's hard to find help for mental issues. Do they have, well, that'll be interesting. I'd be interested to look after this to see whether, especially where you are or um, whether there are, I guess, I know over here there's a lot of different um not charity, not charities. What are they called? Like, um, I guess support groups and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, to help people who have experienced, I don't know, as trauma essentially. Um, but I guess this is like one of the, as you said, some like one of the good things about Instagram and stuff like that is. If you're, tr- if you're using it correctly, um, which I think like, it's like we get to pick our magazine these days, you know, we get to pick what we yeah. read through, we get to pick what we are inspired by and who inspires us. And for me, I'm so grateful for Instagram because I follow so many amazing, incredible women who are open and share and are real. And that to me, like helps me so much. And even to be able to share back. Like, yeah, it might not be a counsellor that I'm talking to or a therapist or whatever, but being able to share with others and to have people come back to me and go, oh, my God, I've, I have gone through the same thing. Or, yes, you're not alone. I feel that as well is, like, the most oh, – it's the best thing ever for me, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know whether you feel the same, but – I knew. After I lost my dad, I started looking for support groups yes. for people who had been through the same thing. 
And it does, like, it's real sad to read all the stories and how often it happens. But it, I have no idea. Like, you just don't know until you go through it. But to know that people do it all the time, like, you're not alone with your feelings. Mm. People don't always do it to hurt others. They just, it's, it helps to kind of understand why they would do it, I guess. Yeah. I can't really go, I can't say much because my kids are walking around out here and they don't know what happened. So I'm trying to uh, yeah. not say it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. But, um... That would be hard to explain. It helps to have support groups. Like, there's support groups for my daughter, Brandy, that NSFly. It Mm. happens all over the whole world, but Mm. it's so rare. The doctors just aren't fully educated on that. Yeah. So it's good to get it out there for people to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, we are... As humans, we're all in this experience together, really. And, like, that's that's why there's so much beauty in community. And, like, way back in the day, we used to have tribes and we used to have help and we used to... Everyone, you know, there wasn't so much separation. But these days, there is so much separation. So to be able to find community in anything is so... I think is so important. Um... And I think my advice to anyone is to, one, find that, whatever that community looks like to you, whether it's online or it's, you know, in real life, whatever it is, and also to offer that to other people, you know. Um, If you meet someone who is struggling, we really just need to help each other out. You know, I think people feel so, like, think that they're so disconnected from the person next to them when really the most beautiful, there's nothing more beautiful than seeing people come together and sharing and helping and, um, yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to me. (laughs) Oh, girl, thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, It's been such an honour to be able to have you tell your story and I'm so glad that you chose this platform to share it. I feel really honoured. Um, and I hope everyone got something out of that. I know I definitely did. And I'm going to take a lot out of this. And I know I have a lot more compassion and understanding. Um, and I'm a lot more educated now than I was before we started chatting. And I really appreciate that. Um, thank yeah, you. If you don't mind, I'll send you information on... Yes. The Anencephaly and stuff, and maybe you can do something with that since you have so many followers. Absolutely. I would absolutely love to do that. Please send all of that through. Um, and I'll be writing a blog on this as well. So if we can get it out there and the more people are aware of these things, you know, the better. That's the most beautiful. Like one of the beautiful things about social media is being able to share and educate. I think it's great. I love being able to learn about things that, you know, you in your small circle outside of like social media, you don't experience these things. But that's the yeah. beautiful thing about it is you get to just learn so much um, more than you ever would, I guess. So thank you. I'd really appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us. 
Um, we better get back to our crazy babies. Marley's, I've just discovered he's also got another tooth that's come through because I feel it in my skin right now. Um, <laughs> and he keeps trying to grab the microphone and using it as a teether. <laughs> I hope my producers don't listen to this. They're going to come in and they'll be like, why are there teeth marks in this microphone? Um, but thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. And Thank you. Yes, thank you. Marley's just about to crack it. Um, for all my listeners, um, make sure you... You subscribe and rate and review this podcast if you love it. So, um, I mean, I've got my 10-year reunion next week, so I'd love to be able to, like, you know, show up and be like, guys, I have a number one podcast. Um, But, I mean, don't do it for me, but do it for me. Um, Do it for Sarah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next week. Fleas Ask Mickey is a Hit Network original podcast produced at Hit 105 Studios in Brisbane. Created, hosted and produced by Michaela Burnett. Check out pleaseaskmickey.com. Editorial support from Julia Foskey, executive producers Scott McDonald and Matthew Eggleston. For more great audio stories, check out hit.com.au.